Patricia's great. Patricia makes coffee nervous. What's up, kids? How are you doing today? Speaking of coffee, where's my coffee? It's in my hand. I've already lost track of where we are and what we're doing in this little podcast of mine. So I just did a stream. I did Chilling with Concrete. If you don't know, during 2022, I've been doing Chilling with Concrete. It's the first Sunday of every month. We just chill out. I do some drawing. I did a little continuation of the whole, you know, streaming bonanza, which was the pandemic for me. And uh, there was a comment on that which made me think, and something which I've been meaning to discuss anyway. So I thought, why not dive in and discuss that? And the comment on there was asking about how, as a creative, you deal with the idea of, you know, essentially permanence and, and perfectionism and creating things from that point of view. And I replied that, I mean, I I gave a quite a long reply, which was along the lines of, you know, try and try again. But I realized a while ago, and the note I wrote down to myself a while ago, was that if I have a main intention within my work and within my mentality to life, is to make the abyss nervous. That's essentially my only goal. And you might be thinking to yourself, look at this guy, look at this absolute cavalier man who's saying that he likes to make the abyss nervous. He's a real, real storm chaser of a man, living by the seat of his pants, making decisions on the fly like Bill Paxton. I am throwing out some 90s film references today, am I not? At the very beginning, by the way, that was a quote from You've Got Mail, talking about Patricia, Patricia who's the, Tom Hanks' love interest. He's, his name's Joe Fox in that film. I, I love You've got mail. And Bill Paxman's reference is a a reference to Twister, where they they chase storms. Because, you know, apparently I never got over the 90s, and so I'm I'm fully, fully, quite fully trapped in them. But, um, you know, actually, you'd be wrong if you thought that about me. You may think about them. You may look at me and see me with my long hair and my, you know, my cool attitude and, and all those kinds of things, neither of which are true. I mean, I have long hair, but I don't really have a cool attitude. (laughs) <laughs> all I can think of is black books now um, but you know you might think see me as kind of like a feckless hippie maybe maybe that's how the impression you get I know a lot of older people get that impression of me they see the beard and the long hair they instantly make a, a judgment and that's because they've come from an era where having a beard and long hair gave you those opinions and I have quite a relaxed drifter attitude to the world and you you may think those things but it's really it is quite the contrary i have a lot of formality within my life and a lot of structure and system within my life i've just built it up over time so that i it appears relaxed it appears natural it appears like things are going on even now like my my regular day job which i don't talk about is involved in management. It's involved with looking after people, understanding systems, understanding the complexities of rigor and, you know, statistics and all these kinds of things. And that brings it all together into one big bundling ball where I sit there and go, well, yeah, but all that's great. But have you considered chaos? Chaos is great. Because you can't account for chaos. And that's where I come into these things. I come into large systems and I look at them and I say, well, this is fantastic, but you haven't really accounted for how people are in reality. So let's do that. So when I create things and I I look to be involved with the world outside, most of what I do is just question 
what's going on around me. You know, arguments I've ended up in in the world have basically just been me playing devil's advocate, looking for something to poke out. And I don't go looking for things to pick out, you know, like some people do. Some people will step into a stable situation and then start picking. Me, I won't. I'll look for an unstable situation and then I'll just make it worse. It's just the kind of person I am. You know, every so often you got to poke the bear because you got to look at the situation and go, why have you got a bear chained up? And then go and poke it and prove that you shouldn't have a bear in captivity. That's, you know, if there's a, a shorter way of describing it. But what do I mean? What do I mean by this idea of making the abyss nervous? Because I do that and I also, you know, look for systems to make systems nervous when I feel like systems are unfair or uh, discriminating or... Not equal equality is not in in large supply is the way that some some would put it. It's where, where, where things are unbalanced to a point, I feel like I need to step in and say, "Hey, well, <laughs> if you considered this, and how they deal with abstraction is interesting as well. I, that's that's something which is very telling. How someone deals with chaos and abstraction is very telling of their character and what they will be like in a pressurized situation and how they will treat you. This is one of those things which I do when I meet someone who is very structured, who is very along the lines of we will not change from this, we are doing this forever, this is the way we do it. I will poke that system and I will I will ask them, okay, well, you know, what, what about X, Y, and Z? Just to see what they do. Because if you leave enough lingering doubt in someone who requires structure to everything, you get to see more of their personality. Structures are generally built so someone can hide behind them. They want system formality because to them, likely, chaos is dangerous. It's, it's something where they see it as, you know, nothing but a negative, when in reality it can be a whole learning process and it can be a whole creative push out into the world. But back to my point at hand. So my, my point at hand was what I look to do is just, or what I've always looked to do is is, is have a level of, control by embracing no control maybe maybe that's the way to put it and what what i mean is i realized a long time ago that i have no control of the universe i really don't i may look like a deity but i'm not sadly i mean i say sadly i shouldn't be trusted with large amounts of power i just poke the berries off but i realized i have no control I have no control of the world around me, the people around me, because every single person is a ball of chaos themselves. We're all sat in our own little space, in our own little bubbles, impacting the things which go on around us. And we don't really have control of that. Even now, I'm watching a group of pigeons outside my window. They don't know what the other pigeon's going to do because they don't have telekinesis. They're not bees. I don't know if bees have telekinesis or whether it's hormones. I'm not quite really sure. But these pigeons, these pigeons don't know what's going on. They can't account for a cat coming to the garden. They can't account for someone opening one of these doors and scaring the crap out of them. On the other side of it, they couldn't account for when I threw bread at them the other day. And that wasn't like a violent thing. That was just like, here's some bread. Enjoy bread. The bounty is abundant. I am your new pigeon god. And they can't account for that. In the same way I can't account for things. Right, you right now. I'm sat in a room. You know, middle of July sat in a room, doing my thing. Anything could happen right now. A bird could fly through the window. A pigeon could come scaling from the sky looking for more bread. Human beings could invade my house and take me away. All of these things could happen. So, I'm not really going to worry about them. Because if anything can happen, 
good things can happen as well. Bad things can happen, but good things can happen as well. So anything can happen. And I can't, I can't control people. I can simply guide people and try to guide people and try to give experience and news into the world in a manner which is in a format which is consumable, which is essentially what a lot of these podcasts are, is just me giving that little nudge. I'm not never telling you how to live your life, just giving you that little nudge. So a lot of people will take that kind of advice and use it in, I guess, what I'd call selfish means, which is if you realize that chaos disrupts and that chaos is, you know, an abstract and that abstracts make people nervous, you can use it to unsettle things. You can use it to unsettle bad things, of course, things like revolution and protest, they allow this. But you can also use it to unsettle good things. And that's more dangerous than systems at times, I find, you know? Because let's face it, right? Concept as a as a, a point, happiness as a point, is a concept. Such as sadness is a concept. They're all little things which we've agreed on as a group to say, well, they're a vibe. You know, that's a vibe and this is a vibe. And we've all sat there and said to ourselves, Okay, that's that's happiness and this is sadness and you know, I've done a whole podcast on how you were missold happiness because happiness is just contentment. And contentment is abstract. It's it's different for every single person. It's just a word, but it applies to every single person in a very different way. For instance, me sitting at home with a coffee is very content. To someone who's extremely adventurous, that's not content. That's boring. That's that's not what they want. They want to go out like Bill Paxman, Paxton and just go out and chase some storms. That's what they really want. So when it is an abstract and when it is there, people who really push chaos and unsettlement are actually just trying to push fear onto you, right? They're trying to bring a level of fear to you so that you worry and make rash decisions based on that fear. And that's how exploitation works. That's how a lot of government works. How a lot of processes and, and situations like that work is essentially they un unrest everything. So no one really knows what to think. And that leads to argument. And, and then they come in and they say, well, we have a system. The system will solve all of these problems. And then you don't question what the system is because you're told that it will it will settle the fear and the anxiety. And that's how people end up on, you know, all kinds of different programs. That's how people end up in extremist groups. That's how people end up in, as bullies and, 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 you know, far radicalized versions of things which can be good and can be bad. And that, that stands for the left and the right. You know, that's how things work, is that if you create enough unsettlement and enough unease within a group of people, that you can exploit it to put your system in place, regardless of how damaging that system is. That's the end point of that. So when I say I want to make the abstract nervous, what I'm really saying is I want to make people who are so ingrained in their own lives that they use abstractivity as a negative thing. They use it as a way to undermine the greater good, as it were, if I was down in Somerset. <laughs> and I try to do that with a lot of my artwork, I think. I, I do that in ways which I, I kind of don't realize at times. Even when I was writing my comic, which I was doing on stream today, you know, Bert as a comic is pretty abstract it's it has a narrative and it has a story and it has a build-up and a, re a release and all these kinds of things and it has a lot of core points of narrative design but at the same time i wanted to make it some level of surreal i wanted to make it some level of just questioning 
what you do in comics, questioning narrative. Why don't you include all the characters? Why don't you include, you know, people who have sad moments? Are these things which you're lacking? Are these things which you're avoiding? Does everything need to be particularly clear cut? And that's why you're you're heavily involved with it. Is that the stories you really want to tell to the world? That's what I'm questioning. I did it with Patatropy. Patatropy as a story isn't very comic-y. It's, it's more of a conceptual thought exercise. Conceptual thought exercise is probably the way I would put it. And the second one will be too. They're just, they're just exploring thoughts and exploring ideas and poking the bear. It's making the abstract nervous. When the abstract, even if the abstract takes a huge form of a mass incorporated situation, it's all about in- introducing that little level of unease, that little pushback. And that's something I believe in greatly, is having a little pushback, not to the detriment of people, you know, in such a major way. It's just giving them a stopgap to think, ah, what are you doing? You know, what, what is this? Do, should we talk about this? We don't need to talk about this if it's nothing, but we, we should talk about this, right? We should take a moment. We should take a little breather, a little chill to say, hey, what's going on in the world? So when it comes to my own work, and when it comes to creating things and, and people having this idea of perfectionism and, and the chaos of creation, creation at its core isn't particularly chaotic because you have an idea. And as soon as you have the idea, it's a formation. And you have the idea, you're just trying to form it into a line and you, you're trying to formalize what that would be and how it would look and how people will interpret it. And I actually got reminded of a, a lyric uh, by Scroobius Pip, which really resounds to me when you think of anything which people are talking about, especially with like, music or drawing or anything like that, of, is if your only goal is to only, if your only goal is to be as good as Scroobius Pip, as soon as you achieve that, your standards will slip. And that is a takeaway line, I think, is fantastic and kind of gets to this point as well, is that if if you look at the world and you look at the formation and you look at all these little things which have been created and you look and compare yourself to them, you're only ever going to end up in a situation where you're never really going to do anything. You know, I can sit here all day, right? I can sit here all day, look at the Dave McKeans, the Lucy Sullivans, you know, the Mega Rands, the Lexicon artists, all these people who I would consider successful in their fields and people which I appreciate and I appreciate the talent of and think, "Ah, I'm never really going to be that good. I'm never going to be able to make music. I'm never going to be able to draw things at that level or get that kind of um, recognition and defeat myself before I even started, right? That's looking at it and allowing the abstract thought that I'll never be that good. So there's too much chaos in there. So I shouldn't even try. When in reality, the follow-up is, if your, if your goal is to only ever improve in yourself, then your quest's never over, right? No matter, no matter how big you get, no matter how good you get, if your goal is only ever to improve on yourself and keep making your own abstract, your own thing which gives you anxiety nervous, you're going to improve over and over again. So as much as making abstract nervous is talking about the wider world and all those things outside, the thing which makes you anxious and the thing which you see as a negative within yourself, if you make that thing nervous, you have more control. You have much more balance on your own life and much more room to improve upon so you can progress and get past it. This sounds much much more like therapy. 
I've had a few situations like it where I've I've thought to myself, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not attempting something. Why would I attempt something when I know I'm going to fail? And I think it's it's important to remember the reasons why you're attempting something. You know, if you're going to attempt something and you're thinking to yourself, well, I want to do it because I want to be like this person. I want to have a successful business and I want to be, you know, famous and all that kind of stuff. It's like, fine, that's a goal you have for yourself. But if you're then looking at that thinking, oh, well, I'll never get to that point, you have got an insecurity in your head to the point where you're going to defeat yourself. So you need to take that and you need to think to yourself, well, if I never try, I'll never know. And if I never know, then the abstract wins. It's a level of introducing your own level playing field, right? Reintroducing yourself to that concrete level, if we're going to go into the concrete metaphor. is. And I, I think I spoke about this when I spoke about the the anniversary of the podcast. Is all you can really do is try, right? And trying makes abstract nervous. All you can really do is settle down and, and attempt something. And I have so much more respect for the people who are willing to attempt something than someone who will talk themselves out of it, right? Especially if you know what you're about to attempt is going to put you through something painful, whether it's emotional or physical, anything like that. I have so much respect for people who do that because you're saying to yourself that you're unhappy with your situation and you're going to do something about it. And that is a trait which is not downplayed in society, but has been co-opted by hero worship and, you know, idolization. When in reality, that's just a basic trait of being a person. So not only did they take that trait and say, oh, well, only these people can do it because they're deities. They took it and they took it away from you, which meant you couldn't handle small challenges and small achievements. And I think that's the point I guess I'm trying to make, right? You live in abstract. We all live in abstract. There's no choice to that. As soon as you're introduced to the world, even before you're introduced to the world, you don't know whose body you're in. You don't know where you're going to be born. You don't know what's going to go on in this, you know, month before you're born and you're trying to get figure out how to, you know, move the settee in the womb or something to just make a little bit more space because for some reason everything seems much smaller than it did nine months ago. And you're looking at the world out there and you're suddenly introduced to it. Everything from that point on is chaos and fear and anxiety and builds up around you and every single other person is experiencing that situation all the time just like you which isn't unique to you and that's something key to remember is 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 not you know you're not alone in that situation everyone's in that situation so when you step out and you develop and you have an idea and you allow your brain to do the thing which human beings do best out of every creature in the world which we know of so far is you allow yourself to take that abstract thought form it into a line and go hey let's do this let's try let's make the abyss nervous i think that's something very important to do at least that's what i try to do every single time i make something I make the institutions nervous. But I think making the abyss nervous is much more fun. I wonder what you guys think. I'll talk to you guys later.